Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 28 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. Okay, we're going to waste no time. We're going to get straight into part one, the review part where we talk about the fights that happened last week. We're going to start over in Germany. This happened on the Saturday. Just one fight I want to mention over there for the interim WBA World Super Welterweight title. Jack Kulkai, 21-1, and defended the belt against Jean-Carlos Prada. Jean-Carlos Prada retired after nine rounds, so he didn't come out for the 10th. I'm not too sure what happened there. I'll be honest, I didn't see it, but I just thought we'd let you know. We're now going to go over to the O2, the massive card that took place at the O2. We're going to start down the bill. I think we should really start with, I think maybe we should start with the debutant, Connor Ben. Um, this, is a, this is a fight I was actually pretty much ringside for Ayaz. I know that you saw it on the TV. Um, I'll be honest, I kind of looked up and next thing you know, the fight was over. What did you see from Conor Ben? What did we see from Conor Ben? All I really saw was the finish. I saw everyone going crazy in the crowd. And of course, he he managed to get the TKO in the first round. So was you impressed with Ben at all, Ayaz? Yeah, I was impressed um, on his debut. He came out firing and next minute, you know, in this first round, knocked him out. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, it'd be interesting to see him, you know, next time out. Hopefully we see him fight quite regularly this year. Um, it would be nice because there's a few juicy bills coming up. Of course, Joshua will be fighting sometime in the future. Um, it'd be good if he can get on a few of those bills. Uh, we're going to move over to the other fight on the bill. Ted Cheeseman, he moved to 4-0. and with a TKO in the fourth round over Mario Petrov. That, that again, was a fight that was, wasn't was shown. I don't believe it was shown on the pay-per-view. Was it shown on pay-per-view, as the Ted Cheeseman fight? Oh, the Ted Cheeseman fight wasn't shown on pay-per-view. Okay. Yeah, all right then. Uh, we're going to go over now to the o- O'Hara Davies fight. Now, this was a fight that I actually missed, Ayaz, so you'll have to tell me what we saw. I'm aware that, of course, O'Hara Davies picked up the win. He he moved to 11-0 and and he picked up the vacant English lightweight title. The guy he was facing, Andy Keats, he was down in the first round from a right uppercut. Of course, he was down in the fourth round, which finally stopped the bout. He was dropped with, with a body shot in the fourth, so Andy Keats racks up another loss and O'Hara Davies of course the new English lightweight champion 11 and 0 was you impressed at all with O'Hara Ayers? yes I was impressed he's um I'll tell you one thing O'Hara Davis is the way he's going through all these fighters he's very talented and I can we can see him like hopefully in the future win the world title yeah of course it's early days at the moment but it'd be interesting so we will be keeping our eyes Firmly peeled here on O'Hara Davies. We're now going to go over to George Groves. Of course, he was on the bill facing undefeated fighter from Scotland, 16-0 and with the one draw, David Brophy. George Groves managed to get the KO in the fourth round. So David Brophy now has his first career loss. George Groves marching on to bigger and better things with a new record of 23-3. and This, of course, was for the vacant WBA international super middleweight title. Um, George Groves, again, this was actually a fight I missed. I, as I left quite early 
on the night. I, I was only there for about four or five fights, so I missed this one. So you'll have to tell me what you thought of George Groves. I think George Groves did very good. His jab was perfect during the fight. And obviously in the fourth round, David Brophy had a bit of a cut. And in the fourth round, Brophy was knocked out by George Groves. Yeah, again, George Groves, one of the best jabs in British boxing, to be honest. Uh, moving up that bill now, we're going we're gonna to talk about the... Just before we go on to the three world title fights, we're going to go to the Matthew Macklin and Brian Rose fight. Of course, these guys, in my opinion, are kind of both over the hill now. Um, I don't know if I'd go as far as saying they're shot, but I think they're well over the hill, these guys. Um, they really don't have much left in the tank. It was it was for the vacant IBF intercontinental middleweight title. Of course, Macklin had one point deducted in the 10th round for repeated low blows. Rose had a point deducted in the 12th round for holding. Um, I know that the, the title, of course, was only on the line for Brian Rose because Matthew Macklin missed the weight. So, um... Matthew Macklin ultimately ended up getting the win. It was a majority decision after 12 rounds. What did you think of this fight? Was you impressed at all, Has? Because, I mean, from where I was sitting, everybody was sort of saying it was going to be the fight of the night. It could perhaps steal the show. The crowd, the crowd weren't really in the place, to be totally honest. It was one of the first fights. I believe it was the third fight or the fourth fight. No, hardly anyone had really turned up in the arena to watch this one. So the noise wasn't too great while the fight was going on um I, I wasn't paying too much attention to it um in my opinion I, I kind of thought that we were going to see not really a good performance but I think it was either going to go two ways it was either going to be an out and out war or basically an out and out disappointment I mean in my opinion like I said I wasn't really watching it too much but it didn't really look too exciting from where I was sitting again I wasn't paying too much attention like I say but what did you make of that fight I was watching it at home of course I reckon it was a good fight but I'll tell you one thing. You know this fight? They gave the fight to Macklin, who won the fight. I reckon, in my opinion, it should have been a draw. You know, again, like I said, I, I, I wasn't really paying close attention. But, you know, it was. he didn't steal the show, though, Ayers, did it? You know what I mean? A lot of people were sort of saying that this could be this could be one to steal the show. But it really didn't catch light, to be honest, like they thought it was going to be. I uh, That's what I thought as well. I thought everyone, this they said that this fight was going to be fight of the year. But to tell you one thing, it wasn't really fight of the year, and it didn't really, it didn't really drag anyone's attention. Yeah, I don't even think it was fight of the night, to be honest. Um, now we're going to go over to the three world title fights. Of course, we're going to start with Jamie McDonald. Jamie McDonald defending his WBA world bantamweight title against late replacement Fernando Vargas. Fernando Vargas going into this fight with a record of 29 wins, nine losses, and three draws. Of course, Jamie McDonald 27 and two with the one draw. Jamie McDonald picked up the TKO in round nine. Uh, he pretty much um, was was too good for Fernando for Fernando Vargas to be honest. But again, he didn't really know too much about Fernando Vargas. Like I say, it was a late replacement. I know that they were training for somebody who was a little bit taller. I know that I spoke to Dave Caldwell at the at the press conference, and he was a bit like. He was kind of surprised because he said, to be honest, I didn't realise how short that Fernando Vargas was. So Fernando Vargas was a lot sort of quicker and 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 um, I want to say like 
you know, quicker on his feet kind of thing and quicker with his hands than they were expecting. So Jamie McDonnell, um, like I say, he won pretty much every single round and he got the TKO in the ninth round. But this guy, he didn't really come to make it look competitive. He kind of was, was just in there to survive, in my opinion. So Jamie McDonnell didn't really look a million dollars getting the win, but nonetheless, another win for him and another successful world title defence. We're now going to go over to Lee Selby defending his IBF world featherweight title against Eric Hunter. Now, this was an intriguing fight. Lee Selby, 22-1 and one going into this fight. Eric Hunter, we had him on the show last week, 21-3. and three. Uh, It started off with a cagey first round, to be honest. Both guys were kind of reluctant to really, you know, jump on it straight away. They were sort of feeling each other out. Round two... I think Eric Hunter came out and won the round pretty, pretty big, to be honest. I think that um, Eric Hunter was was slipping his shots. He was he was making Selby miss a lot. And I think Selby wasn't really using that jab, using that reach advantage over the clearly shorter and smaller Eric Hunter. So Lee Selby not really using that jab effectively. Um, Of course, Eric Hunter, like I say, made him miss and... um, Made him look pretty average, to be honest. Then we come out in the third round. Eric Hunter again had a decent round here. Made Selby miss a lot. Really looked good, Eric Hunter. Looked like he, you know, looked like Selby was was in a horrible fight, to be honest. You know, he wasn't, nothing was going right for him in that third round. And ultimately, Eric Hunter caught him with a left hook and put him down. So Selby was down there in the third round. Um, a few of the rounds after that, Selby managed to sort of, I believe he was probably listening to his corner. He fought smart. He got up. Up, of course from the knockdown and he was really working behind that jab he was he was winning a few rounds with just the jab it looked like Eric Hunter was just sort of waiting for that right hand to come in from Selby so he could counter punch him because Eric Hunter of course has got like a similar sort of style to Mayweather he's got that like that uh, counter puncher's style and he seemed to be waiting too much for Lee Selby and Lee Selby was happy just to pop out that jab and keep him at bay and win the win the rounds on on, on just the jab alone so Eric Hunter, like I say, was waiting for the right hand. Lee Selby was happy to not throw the right hand. And when he did throw the right hand, Eric Hunter had good success because he was able to counter him. He was able to show very impressive lateral movement. But like I say, Lee Selby was racking up quite a few rounds using his size. Eric Hunter then had basically his knockdown nullified, that 10-8 round nullified because he was deducted a point in the seventh round for repeated low blows. Again, this is something that we've seen from Eric Hunter in the past deliberate low blows in this case I don't think they were deliberate a lot of people are moaning about this in the crowd over social media Lee Selby's um you know his his shorts were were very very high they was above his belly button and I'm not being funny but of course it's it's you know it's below the waist below the belt that, that that you're not allowed to hit and he was hitting him above above it he was hitting him around his belly button so that really shouldn't be called a low blow I believe that the referee didn't really do too good in this fight to be totally honest but it went to unanimous decision Lee Selby got the unanimous decision win after 12 rounds so Lee Selby retains his IBF world featherweight title and moves to 20 three and one Eric Hunter like I say gave a good account of himself but I don't think a lot of boys will want to be facing him because he has got that tricky style he just needed to be a little bit busier on the night but his record now 21 and four now we're going to go over to the big one top of the bill 
IBF World Heavyweight title, Charles Martin, 23-0 with the one draw. Anthony Joshua, 15-0. Both guys unbeaten. Both guys power punchers. Both guys many knockouts. I believe they had a combined knockout percentage of 96%. It's absolutely staggering. Somebody's O had to go. Charles Martin, of course, coming over to England for his first defence. He was down twice in the second round, and he completely got demolished by Anthony Joshua, to be totally honest. I had I'm not going to mince my words on that. I think that Charles Martin really, he seemed he seemed frightened before he got in the ring. You know, he, as soon as the bell went, he didn't really throw any punches. You know, he's he's a big guy. He's got, I believe he's got somewhere, somewhere around the same reach as Joshua. He just seemed to not, he, he was throwing punches that were falling short. And I, I'm not going to knock Joshua at all. I, I think that Joshua's, of course, a great fighter, but he's not really one that sort of, I don't think he uses his distance fantastic against big fighters. We haven't seen it enough, but he didn't like Martin's throwing out a punch and Joshua was just, he wasn't moving back to move out the way of it. He was, he was just standing where he was. It was just a simple fact of Martin throwing a punch way too short. And when he was doing that and jumping in with it, Joshua was just going whack and countering him. So a really poor performance by Charles Martin. He didn't even look like a Southpaw in there. He was standing straight on a few times. I saw him with his feet standing completely next to each other, straight on, which obviously means that the target is twice as big as if you're standing sideways. So he was really open for the punches. And of course, um, I think that in the first round, Joshua kind of maybe gave him a little bit too much respect, but nowhere near the same amount of respect as, as Charles Martin gave Joshua. Nowhere near. And in the second round, I think Joshua thought, do you know what? It's time to start you know, to start landing a few bombs. And as soon as he made that his mentality, see you later, Charles Martin. Of course, again, it's a fight that we really haven't have to seen him dig deep in. We've, he's just kind of come out and done his thing and wiped the guy out within four rounds like he's done to all but one of his opponents. And of course, that one opponent, Dillian White. I was impressed by his performance. Yeah, he was waiting till the last few seconds on the first knockdown. He, he was knocked down. He clearly knew where he was. You know, I don't agree with the commentating. The commentating was, you know, I'm not sure who it was. I'm not sure if it was Glenn McCrory. He was screaming, saying he doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know where he is. He did. He was looking at his corner. He looked at the ref. He waited till the ref count to about eight or nine and he got up. So he was literally, it shows professionalism, it shows experience when you stay on the floor just to get those vital seconds, those extra vital seconds of recovery. If you just get knocked down and get straight back up, you're not really ready, you know? So yeah, he's done that on the first knockdown. And on the second knockdown, he wanted to do it again. And I don't really want to sit here and start, you know, saying that he, he wanted a way out of the fight, but he didn't, he was looking at his corner for about three or four seconds during the count. And that's way too long, way, way, way too long, especially in a fight of this magnitude. This is, we got, you got to remember Charles Martin is the heavyweight champion of the world. He ain't leaving nothing up to an English referee. You know, they all get told this, all the Americans, they're all they're You know, whenever you're fighting away from home, you've always got to watch out for the referees. I'm not saying that the referees over here are dodgy. I think they're absolutely down the line, straight down the line I think they're really good referees over here but you can't leave it up to the referee by chance you know you cannot leave it one or two seconds you need to be getting up at eight not getting up at nine and to be honest he got up at about nine and a half and I think he knew what he was doing and then he waited and as soon as he got up the referees was on 10 so what can you really do you know but you shouldn't be leaving something like that in a fight that big it was like the biggest fight of his whole life you know, you shouldn't be leaving that into the referee's hands because you can't knock the referee. All he done was count it to 10. If the guy's not up with his hands up, ready to go, 
then then the referee's got no other choice but to wave it off. So now we will see, of course, Joshua in a few big fights. He's now at that top level. A lot of people were saying, is he ready for it? I'm not sure he's ready for it. You know, but now he's at that level, so there's no turning back from here. All his fight, all his fights that he'll be having now will be with top 15 guys at least. So Anthony Joshua, we, we're really going to see what he's made of here because we do need to remember, just for the fans that are tuning into this podcast that may not be hardcore boxing fans, maybe guys that just, you know, watch the sport every now and then when there's a big fight on. To be the man, you've got to beat the man. That's what they say in boxing. To be the man, you've got to beat the man. Now. Of course, there's, there's now three heavyweight champions of the world, but we'll go back to where it started. The two, the two, All of the belts were held by the two Klitschko brothers, Vitaly Klitschko and Vladimir Klitschko. Vitaly Klitschko had the WBC belt. Okay, there's four belts regarded as the top belts, WBC, WBA, WBO, and IBF. So the WBC belt was held by Vitaly Klitschko. The IBF, the WBO, and the WBA were all held by Vladimir Klitschko. So Vitaly decided to retire, so his title became vacant. And then Bermain Stavern ended up with the belt. Deontay Wilder beat Bermain Stavern, and Deontay Wilder's the new WBC champion. So that, that was the only belt that the, that the Klitschko didn't have, that the remaining Klitschko didn't have, which was Vladimir Klitschko. Of course, then... Vladimir Klitschko faced Tyson Fury, and Vladimir Klitschko was the man. Okay, not Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder's just won it. He's 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 fought a hand. He's fought a string of people that nobody's heard of, uh, apart from one or two or three. And of course, he's not the man. The main man is is who's been reigning the longest with the most belts and everything is Vladimir Klitschko. So Vladimir Klitschko fought Tyson Fury in Germany. Tyson Fury beat him, took his three belts. His three belts were the IBF, WBO, and WBA. Now, because Tyson Fury signed in the contract that he would have to have a rematch with Klitschko if he was to beat Klitschko, which I believe the Klitschkos put in a hell of a lot of their contracts because everything's got to go the champion's way. So Tyson Fury had agreed to this, like I believe David Hay had to when he fought him, etc., etc. Um he, he, of course, had to defend the titles again straight away. He couldn't have a fight beforehand straight away with Klitschko. So when Klitschko decided he was going to exercise, you know, that, that clause of the contract about the rematch, in that time, other promoters were screaming at the IBF saying, oh, my God, the mandatory is due. You should, you know, the mandatory fighter shouldn't be waiting X amount of time until this rematch is done. They're in a position to fight for the IBF title. So... The IBF decided to strip Tyson Fury. They said, right, Tyson, you've got two options here. We're going to strip you of the belt or you don't fight Klitschko. But of course, he's contracted to fight Klitschko. So he had to basically allow them to strip the belt from him. So when he stripped the belt, when they stripped the belt from him, that belt became vacant. The number one and number two challengers fought each other for the belt. Of course, that was Charles Martin. He was he was second in line, and then first in line was was Glaskov. So first in line was Glaskov, second in line Charles Martin. So those guys fought for the vacant IBF title. Uh, of course, Charles Martin was doing quite well in the fight, and then Glaskov's knee buckled, and we couldn't. It was basically a freak injury, and his knee had gone. And by that point, he couldn't carry on. So Charles Martin became the champion because Glaskov's knee buckled and he couldn't walk properly or move properly there's no saying Charles Martin wouldn't have knocked him out but Charles Martin was also the underdog in this fight so the bookies had Glaskov winning this fight 
Okay, so like I said, there's nothing saying that Charles Martin wouldn't have knocked him out anyway. Charles Martin's the new champion. This all happened on January the 16th, by the way. So we're just literally not even three months later. He defends his title against Joshua. Joshua wipes him out. Charles Martin hadn't really fought any proper opponents up until this point. Neither had Joshua, to be honest. And this is what it is. So the real man of the division, because like I say, to be the man, you've got to beat the man. The man was Klitschko. Tyson Fury is the man. He's still got the WBO and the WBA belts. And of course, he's got the ring title as well, which is like a magazine title that, that's only given to like the greatest fighter, the main fighter in, in that particular division. For example, that's a belt that Mayweather's had, the ring title. Um, various other fighters that are regarded as the main man in the division. Deontay Wilder beat Bermain Stavern to get the belt. Joshua beat Charles Martin to get the belt. Those two guys were never the man. They were never, ever, ever, ever the main man in the heavyweight division. Vladimir Klitschko was. So, like I say, I'm not taking anything away from Joshua. I think it's amazing that he's won this belt. Like I say, look at look at Deontay Wilder. I believe he was 31 and... I think he was 31-0 and 0 before he challenged for the title. So here we've got... Ant and, and everybody was jumping all over him saying how much of a fantastic fighter he is. Here we've got Anthony Joshua, who's basically won the title in half the fights Deontay Wilder did. So, you know, like I say, this is, this is a fantastic win for British boxing. I'm over the moon for Joshua. But we do have to remember that the main man in, in the division is Tyson Fury. But yeah, after going on that mini rant, I'm now going to move over to the other fights that took place on the Saturday. <laughs> Sorry about that. That took about five minutes up of the time. If, if that made no sense whatsoever, then I'm very, very sorry I had to put you through that. We're now going to go over to Crawley now at the K2 Leisure Centre. Ben Jones topped the bill with a record of 21-5 and five with the one draw. He faced Jesus Antonio Rios. Now, this was a no decision. This was a strange old fight. It was for Ben Jones WBO Intercontinental Featherweight title. Um, Jesus Antonio Rios was cut in an accidental second round head clash. And the, the, the fight was halted in the third round as a result of that. And under the WBO rules, um, if the fight isn't, isn't past four rounds, then it will be it will be declared as a no decision if the fighter cannot continue due to an accidental injury. So, like I say, it was in the third round, and in, in that case, it had to be stopped, and it was a no decision. So maybe we'll see a rematch there. I'm not too sure, but it's a it's really a horrible way to end the fight because no one's a winner, no one's a loser. They all sort of done it for for no reason. So hopefully we see that fight come round again. Moving over now to the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, top of the bill, Manny. Pacquiao, 57 and 6 with two draws, faced off against Timothy Bradley, 33 and 1 with the one draw. This was for the vacant WBO International Welterweight title. Manny Pacquiao, to be honest, I saw this fight, I stayed up for this one. Manny Pacquiao showed glimpses of the old Pacquiao that we've seen. He was darting in and out. I love it when he does that. He sort of. He jumps in and out. He jumps in, throws a few punches, jumps out. It's, it's amazing seeing him do that. So we did see that. And of course, a lot of people talking about Manny Pacquiao hasn't had a stoppage for years and years and years. Manny Pacquiao put Tim Bradley down twice in this fight. Um, one of them was pretty heavy. One of them wasn't too great. But again, still a knockdown, still legitimate knockdowns with no complaint whatsoever. These guys, of course, have fought each other three times now. Manny Pacquiao and Timothy Bradley. There's been no knockdowns at all until until this fight so he actually took 30 
30 3-0 rounds of fighting between these two guys before the first knockdown came in the 31st round. So Manny Pacquiao, of course, he should have won all three of these fights. The first fight, Timothy Bradley was gifted. It was absolutely awful decision. The second fight, Manny Pacquiao won, and now he's won this one as well. And this one was probably the, the clearest. I believe that all three judges ruled it 116 to 110. A lot of people were moaning, saying it wasn't that wide, but of course you've got a bear in mind the two knockdowns that Manny Pacquiao picked up. Timothy Bradley did do really well though and uh, of course Manny Pacquiao really really good win for him like I say the clearest one yet and he's decided straight after this fight to retire from the sport of boxing so I'm not sure how legitimate that that actually is but Manny Pacquiao at the moment he's currently retired so it'd be interesting to see what actually does happen you know of course him and Mayweather now retired it's strange because usually we see fighters go on too long and then you know they pass their best and then they decide to retire when they're getting beaten by people they wouldn't have been beaten by in their primes. Floyd Mayweather, of course, top of the top of the game, really, in the 147 category. Uh, Manny Pacquiao, arguably second now. They're both seeming to retire. The two top guys are seeming to retire before we really show, before they really show us any any sign of decline, which is good. It's good for themselves, you know, but as boxing fans, we do like to see them in there a few more. We do like to see them in there perhaps too long, to be totally honest. Maybe we, we like to see them in there until they get beaten. And then we go, oh my God, he should have retired a few fights ago. So to be honest, I've got no no qualms with his with his decision if that's if that's one he's going to stick by but Manny Pacquiao I think he really beats all the top boys in 147 without Mayweather in there um and I really mean that as I think that Manny Pacquiao would beat Furman he would beat Porter of course he'd beat Bradley he would beat Brooke I think he'd beat all of the names in there, to be totally honest. Just the way he darts in and out, I think it would be a big, big problem for Brooke. And I, this is how I put my my welterweights down. I seriously think, I think first was Mayweather, second Manny Pacquiao, and third, it's really close between Tim Bradley and Kel Brook. Really close. Really, really close. And I think Manny Pacquiao beats all of them apart from Mayweather, to be honest. So how do you feel about his decision to retire if it's going to be a genuine one, Ayaz? I personally reckon he won't retire. Because I was watching a video and Freddie Roach is like, yeah, uh, I don't think Pacquiao will retire. I, I reckon a fight that I would like to see, yeah, and if it happens, right, is why don't you know how Kel Brook stated he was once a big fight? I reckon a, Bro- a fight between Brook and Pacquiao would sell out. Yeah, absolutely. Of course it would. The only thing is, um, would he come over to England to have that fight? I really, really doubt it. Would Brook go over to America? It, it's, you know, it would be nice to see that fight, but. To be honest, that would be the only fight that Brook could have outside of the Mayweather fight that he would get the credit that Khan's getting for taking on Canelo, to be totally honest. So hopefully that fight could get made. I would love to see that fight. I really would. But it's a massive risk for Kel Brook. Um, if he lost to Pacquiao, where does he go from there? But like I said, it's not... There's not too much shame in losing to Pacquiao because he really is, like I say, in my opinion anyway, even though he's not the Pacquiao of old, he's still good enough to beat all these guys. So in my opinion, like I say, he's he's the top of the he's the top of the top in the one forty seven division, provided Mayweather stays retired. That's another one we're not too sure about. Moving down that bill, Arthur Abraham put his WBO World Super Middleweight title on the line against Gilberto Ramirez. Of course, Arthur Abraham, a lot of people saying that he's been over the hill for the last several fights, to be totally honest. He had a record of 44-4 and going in this fight. He faced off against Gilberto Ramirez, 33-0. Gilberto Ramirez is the new 
WBO World Super Middleweight Champion. So Arthur Abraham finally loses his WBO strap. Arthur Abraham now 44 wins and five losses. Gilberto Ramirez, the new WBO World Champ with a 34 and 0 record. So a very nice looking record. Arthur Abraham, it'd be interesting to see what happens with him now. Um, is he going to carry on? I've got no clue. Will he perhaps fight someone like Felix Sturm? That would be like an all-German clash. It will get big numbers and big money in Germany and, of course, probably a winnable fight. They're both absolutely shot, especially Sturm. I think he's he's there for the taking, to be totally honest. Moving down that bill, Oscar Valdez, 18-0, and 0, took on the former IBF champ Evgeny Gradovich. Oscar Valdez picked up the TKO in round four. So Evgeny Gradovich stopped in four rounds. So that's a big statement there from Oscar Valdez. That was for the vacant WBO, NABO featherweight title. So Oscar Valdez moving onwards and upwards. And Evgeny Gradovich, I I really don't know where he's going to go from here. Of course, his record now 21-2 and with the one draw. And his other loss, of course, was to Lee Selby, who we mentioned earlier. Also, I should mention on that bill, the lightweight prospect, Devin Haney. He was on that bill. He moved to 5-0 and with a unanimous decision after four rounds against Rafael Vasquez. Devin Haney, definitely someone to watch for in the future. And that's really it for the review side of things on this week's show. We're now going to bring on our first guest. Okay, now it's time for our first guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome part of the awesome foursome, also known as the Smith Brothers, is Stephen Smith. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks, mate. No problem, no problem. Of course, we're only a few days away now from the fight. How are you feeling ahead of the biggest fight of your career, Stephen? You know, I'm feeling very good. I've had a good camp. So, you know, that's all you can ask for, really. You know, it's the opportunity and... You know, go away and have a good camp and be fully prepared for it. And you know, I've done that. Now you're fighting, of course, Jose Pedraza, 21 and 0. His record is the IBF World Super Featherweight Champion. What do you know about him, uh, Stephen? What have you seen of him? Um, you know, I've known him quite a while. He's a talented fighter. You know, he boxes from both stances. You know, likes to switch mid fighting. Seems to like see how the fight's going and then seems to switch his stance. And it's you know, we, we, we've trained for, we've prepared for, and you know, I'm confident going in. Okay, now you've only boxed once abroad as a pro. You fought in Germany. You knocked the guy out in the first round. Is there any qualms at all on your part regarding travelling over to the USA? No, no, no problem. I I boxed all around the world in the amateurs. And it's one of them things, you know, people know how close we are as as a family. You know, myself, my brothers and my brothers have boxed in in the States. Callum and Paul have boxed over there. And, you know, going through it with them is like going through it yourself anyway. So... I feel like I've already been over there and boxed anyway. How much will it mean to you, Stephen, of course, to join that ever-growing list of British world champions? At the moment, we've got 11. By the time this interview goes out, we may have 12 with Joshua's fight on the weekend. Um, it's, it's everything to me. You know, becoming a world champion is what I, I, I first ever, you know, for them. So when I first got a pair of gloves on, and, you know, nothing's changed. You know, I still, I still dream of becoming a world champion and problems that can make that happen next week. Now, are you are you someone that thrives under pressure, Stephen? Because, of course, you know, you're going out there, of course, like in the lion's den almost. Are you someone that can thrive yeah. under that pressure and soak it up? Definitely, yeah. I believe, you know, I've always performed better when, when the pressure's been on. And, you know, this will be no difference. I believe this is the best, the best of me when, you know, I'm, I'm out there Okay, now I know that you, all of the brothers, to be honest, they deflect it onto each other, but who do you feel is the best out of the Smith brothers, pound for pound? Um, it's, it's one of the questions, I get that a lot, but I don't think you can look past Callum, I think 
you know, what he's what he's doing when he when he when he's getting in there and performing is you know, it's second to none. He's going out and he's, he's absolutely demolishing everyone in his way really. He's, he's out of nineteen fights, fourteen now. How did that ten one now? How which just shows you the, the quality of the lad and the absolute power he's got. Now, I did actually want to touch on Callum. Of course, we've seen him absolutely demolish Mohamedi for the European title. He's now mandatory to face Badu Jack. Um, there's not really much else to say about it, really. He's just, he seems to be a complete monster, a complete machine, to be honest. Yeah, he's just, as I say, demolishing everything put in his way. No goal coming through from winning an English title in one round to a British title in one round and then no European title in one round. He's just seen everything he's after him and more, so... You know, we, 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 we can't be more, more happy with how things are going for him. And you know, as you said, he's, he's in a man's position now for the world title. So, you know, those opportunities will come. It's just a matter of waiting for it to happen now. And I'm very confident you're going, you're going to win a world title. Absolutely, absolutely. Because there really is a chance now that all the Smith brothers could become champions at the same time. I know that you all, you all picked up the the, yeah. uh, the British belt, but there's actually a chance. Of course, we've got Liam champ at the moment. Um, Callum's yeah. in the mandatory position. You've got your fight this weekend. And, and Paul, yeah. if he can get a fight, but perhaps with someone like Felix Sturm, I've got all confidence he can win that title. Yeah, definitely. You know, Paul's got to just you know get get himself back in, get get some wins, and then there's opportunities there for him. You know, as you said, especially with the likes of Sturm and Abraham, obviously, isn't it? Sturm out there, but you know, his name's known in 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 Germany now to to the Abraham fights and possibly the fight with Ward as well. So there's, there's going to be opportunities for him. He just needs to go and get a couple of wins and get himself back back in the mix, and then you know, there's a couple of chances for Paul as well. And you know, my mind's happening now and, and Callum's in the man three Liam's already won it so it's a, it's a realistic possibility yeah absolutely also someone we should as well mention um, fighting on the same bill as you also for a world title he's going to be on the show a little bit later Irishman Patrick Highland he's going out there to face yeah. Gary Russell Jr what are his chances yeah. in this fight in your opinion Stephen yeah, he's got every chance you know he's up against the, the top 45 and Gary Russell but you know, it's the same as myself. Look, we wouldn't have it any other way to go and win a world title. You want to go and be the champion and, you know, you don't want to give him to it. And I'm sure, you know, Patrick's got relish in that chance. And you know, I wish him all the best. I really hope he goes out and does it. You know, we've known, like, we've known the family for, for a long time. And, you know, I really hope he does well and goes out and does it. You know, the two of us can't get world title. It'd be something else. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. OK, listen, um, you and your three brothers are a huge credit to British boxing a real family of heroes Thank and I you. wish you the absolute best in becoming the second world champion out of the brothers hopefully the next time we're speaking Stephen I'll be talking to the new IBF champion of the world yeah thanks very much mate thanks a lot okay now it's time for part two on this week's show this part of course is the preview part where we preview the fights before they happen this week we're going to start over in Mexico Jose Zapida he gets out again his record at the moment 24 and 1 of course that one defeat was to Terry Flanagan for the WBO world title his opponent yet to be announced but again it's good to get Jose Zapida a good fighter to be totally honest back in the mix we're now going to go over to Puerto Rico, top of the bill over there, Felix Verdejo, 20-0. and 0. He faces Jose Luis Rodriguez, who has a record of 18-8. and 8. Felix Verdejo, again, a top fighter that we will be keeping a close eye on and everybody else should. And that's really it for South America. We're now going to go straight over to the United Kingdom at the first direct arena in Leeds. Of course, top of the bill, the Leeds sweetheart, 
Josh Warrington, 22-0. He faces Hisashi Amagasa. This is for the WBC International Featherweight title. Amagasa has a record of 30 wins, 5 losses and 2 draws. This will be another tough test for Josh Warrington. Again, if he prevails, he really is closing in on that world stage. A good fighter, Josh Warrington, Iaz. I think that he's... You know, he's, he's of course, been linked with Lee Selby. I'm not sure if Lee Selby's going to be moving up soon. I'm not sure what he's doing. But Josh Warrington, just behind Lee Selby, with all due respect, but still a really good fighter and one that is definitely capable of world level. Yeah, Josh Warrington's a very good fighter, right? Obviously, fighting Amagasa, like, there's rumours that you, like you said, to fight um, Lee Selby, yeah, Ellen Rohn. But I reckon, like, Lee Selby's up right above him. I reckon a level above him, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. At this stage, he is anyway, but we'll see down the line. Also on that bill, former world champion Stuart Hall, 19-4 and with two draws. He faces Rodrigo Guerrero, who has a record of 24 wins, five losses and one draw. Believe me, this would be a tough fight for Stuart Hall, this one. No joke, Rodrigo Guerrero. He's been matched pretty tough, to be totally honest with you. Five losses to capable opponents. Also on that bill, prospect Jake Ball. He looks to move to 5-0. and He takes on on Colin Farricker, who has a record of three wins and two losses. Also on the bill, Isaac Chamberlain, prospect from Brixton. Of course, everybody watched his documentary on Sky Sports, Made in Brixton. Isaac Chamberlain, 4-0 at the moment. He faces undefeated Russ Henshaw, who has a record of 6-0. and So somebody's O has got to go. It's good to see two prospects getting in the ring together this early in their careers. Moving down the bill once again, Martin J. Ward, he gets out again. His opponent yet to be announced, of course, Martin J. Ward, 13-0 with two draws. He's putting his WBC International Super Featherweight title on the line. Also getting out again, Dave Ryan, who has a record of 17 wins and nine losses. He gets out again in an eight-rounder. His opponent yet to be announced. That's it for the UK. We're now going to shoot over to America, top of the bill over in Connecticut, USA, Jose Pedraza against Stephen Smith of course we just finished speaking to Stephen Smith, Jose Pedraza has a record of 21-0 and 0. Stephen Smith 23-1 and 1. that one loss to Lee Selby of course this is for the IBF World Super Featherweight Championship of the World, Jose Pedraza completely no knockover but of course Stephen Swifty Smith really really good fighter and as, as you can tell from our earlier conversation very very confident going into this fight. Also on that bill, Gary Russell Jr. puts his WBC World Featherweight title on the line against Ireland's very own Patrick Highland. Of course, Gary Russell Jr. 26-1. and His one loss coming to Lomachenko. Patrick Highland 31-1. and So both guys have a combined record of 57-2. and This one is going to be a good fight. I really hope Patrick Highland can do the business over there. It'd be fantastic if Stephen Smith can cause the upset and Patrick Highland can also cause the upset here go straight over to the United States of America and rip the titles away from the champions we will be speaking to Patrick Highland very very shortly about this fight we're going to leave those two there we're now going to move over to what's happening down in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn New York of course top of the bill over there Huge prospect for the 147 division, Errol Spence Jr., 19-0. He faces tricky customer Chris Algieri, 
21 and 2. Of course, those two losses coming to Amir Khan and Manny Pacquiao. Chris Algieri, again, he's a fighter, Ayaz, who can who can sort of keep it long. He uses his, his size well. He, lo- he uses his reach well. When he fights and sort of boxes off the back foot and keeps it everything behind the jab, he's very, very hard to beat. When he gets involved like he did against Pacquiao, he was able to get you know, he's, he couldn't really use his jab. And the, the speed, I believe, really was the difference between Chris Algieri and both Pacquiao and Khan. Now, of course, Errol Spence is fast with his hands as well, but he's not as fast, in my opinion, as Pacquiao or Khan. I think this is a tougher fight than some people are saying. I really do. I think Errol Spence, of course, everybody believes he's the goods. He's got a fantastic record, 19 and 0, a good ranking in all the bodies. But... Chris Algieri is certainly not one to look over as, is he? No, because Chris Algieri is going to actually come to fight, that's why. Yeah, of course. You know, every fight he's been in, he's come to fight, especially when we see him get up off the floor of what people were calling like the beast, the beast from the east, of course, Ruslan Provodnikov. We see him get dropped in the first round, I believe it was now, Chris Algieri. got up off the floor and won that fight. So it goes to show you he's got a lot of heart, Chris Algieri. I think this is going to be a really tough test for Errol Spence, to be totally honest. Of course, everybody believes he's the goods, but Chris Algieri, a really tough fighter. I'm telling you, you really have to beat the living daylights out of him to you know and, and and be fast and be in and out you really have to have to fight on your a game to beat chris algeri like i say he's only lost to two good guys so this would be a really 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 good fight in my opinion one that i'm looking forward to watching of course the fight is being shown on box nation we're going to move down the bill now christoph glowacki 25 and O cruiserweight wbo world cruiserweight champion he puts his belt on the line against steve cunningham steve cunningham of course 28 and 7 with the one draw the ex-us veteran Steve Cunningham, of course, we've seen him in there with the likes of Fury. He was at cruiserweight, then he moved up to heavyweight, then he's come back down to cruiserweight. We're going to see what that's done to his body. I know he was a very, very small heavyweight, but it's going to be interesting. I'm not a fan of people who jump up and down the weights, you know, up up and down, up, then down, then up, then down. It's not very good for your body, to be totally honest. But like I say, Cunningham was only coming in a few pounds over heavy anyway. So it'd be interesting to see because Glowacki is a really, really good fighter and Steve Cunningham of course I believe we've seen good performances from Steve Cunningham of late but this one might be a really tough test to be honest Glowacki of course the favourite and the champion going into this but it'd be amazing if if Steve Cunningham could pull off the win of course he's got a lot of experience under his belt now he's been in a lot of tough fights and that experience could play a part in this fight we'll have to wait and see Marcus Brown also on the bill he fights for the vacant WBC United States light heavyweight title his record of course 17 and 0 he faces Radivoj Kaladzic someone I do not know much about whatsoever but he has a record of 21 and 0 so a combined record these guys 38 and 0 somebody's 0 will have to go and that's really it we're going to leave it there for the previewing on this week's show we're now going to welcome our second guest Okay, now it's time for guest number two on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome fighting Gary Russell Jr. for the WBC World Featherweight Championship. It's Patrick Highland. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. First and foremost, how are you feeling, Patrick? So close to your fight. Of course, we're just days away now. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. I'm flying out to New York tomorrow and I'm actually buzzing. Can't wait to get out there. Uh, Fight week is always a good week coming up. You know, all the hard work is done and... It's just time to get in there and put on a show for on that Saturday night and 
hopefully come out WBC world champion. Absolutely. Now, what do you know about Gary Russell Jr.? Of course, we've seen him in there with the likes of Vassal Lomachenko. We know that Lomachenko is one of the best fighters pound for pound. Um, have you taken anything? Have you taken anything from that fight that you're looking to use against Gary Russell on Saturday? Uh, just to kind of Lomachenko's walk rate was great. It's just Lomachenko's a lefty as well, so and it, you know he kind of moves uh, a lot different than myself. So I haven't really took it much into that. Just had a good walk rate and it kind of upset Gary Russell a bit but uh, I know Gary Russell is an, an outstanding boxer, an outstanding fighter with great hand speed so you know, I've worked, I've worked hard on the gym and with a game plan and you know uh, just uh, has to, has to just all come together on the night and if it does I'll be, I'll be world champion. Of course, Gary Russell hasn't been in the ring for just over a year now. Um, I know that you won't yep. be relying on him being it, being ring rusty at all, but is it important for you to start fast and try to win some of those early rounds? Well, that, 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 I'm hoping he has a bit of ring rust. I'll, uh, I'll match with Moyle. Like, I, I like to build myself up. I'm a kind of a slow starter myself. So, but I'll be nice and sharp for the first few rounds, and you know, hopefully it'll come into effect that he, his ring rust is out and his timing is off and I'll, I'll be landing my shots and hurting him early on. Now, how much will it mean to you to bring that WBC belt back home to the fans of Ireland? Oh, it means the world to me. Like, uh, not only that, like, you know, we had to look up to the heavens to me dad who just passed away. Uh, you know, all the hard work he's done over the years, putting me through my paces since I was a kid, drilling, drilling me in from day one, uh, just to, you know, to, to say, dad, I've done it and, and and to come back to my family like with the belt is just going to be it'll be a dream come true and you know it'll be a touchy moment but you know an exciting then I'll be excited then for the times ahead after that. Okay, I'm very sorry to hear that. I wasn't aware of that actually. No worries, no worries. Is it is that something recent or? Uh, about ten months ago, he left us. Uh, you know, I had a I had a fight over in in, in October and it was the first time he was ever you know, without me in the corner. Uh, it was a tough one. I thought I was focused and ready on the job. I went out for a training camp in New York and everything went well until after the first round, I looked to the left and my dad wasn't there. It was, it was a touchy, t- t- touchy, uh, you know, like a, a moment in the fight. Kind of didn't want to be in the fight then. And, but then I came out and I knocked the guy out in the eighth round. So, you know, he, all the stuff that he walked into me, you know, paid off. And then, uh, I'm buzzing now. I'm 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 mentally properly mentally focused now and on on the job in hand and ready to become world champion. Yeah, excellent. So so I mean, obviously you, despite of course winning winning the fight since the since the death of your father, of course you want to put. 2015 behind you really I know you can't do it um, completely obviously you know there's there's memories stuck in 2015 but of course 2016 yeah. you really want to make your year of course exactly yeah be 2016 be my 12th year as a professional uh, all the hard work uh, you know I wanted to pay off up, uh, in, in this fight all, all the years of the hard work the growing and the time away from the family everything is going to come out into this fight and you know, when it becomes a champion of the world, you know, then there's massive, massive fights for me. You know, there's Lee Selby, uh, there's even me, old, me little friend Carl Frampton. He could be moving up to super, or the featherweight, and, you know, he's there. And there's also with myself, you know, I'm a big featherweight, so I could, be move, could move up to 130 and challenge someone at the belt there. There's just exciting times ahead. But first of all, i got to become the champion to make all these dreams happen.
Yes, of course, of course. Now, also on the bill, challenging for a world title too, he was on the show a little bit earlier, Stephen Smith. You're both looking to invade the USA and take those belts back home. What do you think of Stephen Smith's chances in his fight? I think he has a great chance. Uh, I know Pedroza uh, um, is, is not the, the biggest puncher. He's a great boxer. You know, with Stephen Smith, you know, he's a talent himself. And, you know, and I know he's going to be like myself and going all out to become world champion. He's been waiting a long time. I've had a crack in 2012. I didn't didn't succeed. But, you know, I'm pretty sure Stephen is uh, ready and willing to be coming home IBF champion. I, um, I know Stephen and the brothers years. I we bought, uh, my, my younger brother boxed against him in an international and got beaten. Uh, I've been away with Paul as an international as well. So, you know, I'm I'm hoping that the, the both of us will take uh, we'll be on the plane back to back to England and and Ireland with the World Championships. Yeah, I actually asked him about your fight as well. I pretty much asked you both the same question. He basically mirrored what you said, to be honest. He said that, you know, um, you know, you, you've, you go back with his family quite far. And he also said that, to be honest, me and Patrick wouldn't have it any other way. We want to go abroad and win the title and take it exactly. away from the champion. You take, know, take so. it away. Go into the Lions then. You know, it's nothing new for us. We, we you know, we don't fear any of that. I don't. Uh, well, I definitely don't. I know Stephen doesn't. So yeah, going going over there and taking them away from the guys live on American TV is even better. You know, and guys, sports will be getting the show back home would be amazing for the the, the Irish and UK fans. Yeah, definitely. My fingers are crossed for both of you. Um, of course, the featherweight division is a pretty hot division at the moment. If you go and win this title, is there anyone in particular you'd like to get in the ring with? I know that you know you don't really want to look too much past Gary Russell because it is, it is, of course, a really hard fight. But is there anyone you've got your eye on at all? Uh, just all the uh, all the champions. Um, Lee Selby there, you know, it'll be a great UK fight, UK or Ireland fight. Um, the Santa Cruz will be a major fight for myself to go over to America, you know, and uh, should even looking outside of that, you have the other kid, Josh Warrington, is coming up and he's ranked number two or three and, you know, fights like in the UK and Ireland could be made and, you know, they'll be so exciting and so good for, for, for all air, the European side to watch anyways. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so basically, if you do, if you do go out there and do the business, then, then we won't see you in any. You, you're not one who's going to start, um, you know, falling back a level and going in those in those sort of easy fights. You really are looking for the big fights past this one. Oh yeah, it's most definitely. Like as I said, I'm 12 years and as a pro now, and you know, like when they asked me about Gary Russell, I jumped at the at the chance. I said, of course, yeah, majorly because it's for a world title, but another reason because he's one of the best best fighters out there, and that's that's who I want to be fighting to prove myself and all the years of work. So, yeah, if I, get, if, I, if I win this belt, I'm not sure if there's a mandatory challenge already, a guy won the silver belt, but if not, definitely one of the top boys, that's what I'm aiming for. Great stuff. Now, the last question I've got for you now, Patrick, in your heart of hearts, what are we going to see from yourself on Saturday? And if you could give us any sort of prediction, that would be excellent. Uh, what are we going to see from myself? We're going to see, you know, hard work, dedication, in the ring, me becoming WBC world champion, prediction in a fight, uh, I'm ready to, for, to go to war for 12 rounds, but, uh, you know, Russell doesn't think that I hit as hard, and uh, you know, gonna, he's going to have a big shock on the night, and uh, the win is coming back to Dublin, Ireland, 
that's my prediction anyways. Excellent. I mean, at the end of the day, you both got the same amount of knockouts, really. So, uh, yeah. so I can't really see his point there. But listen, Patrick, thank you so much for giving us a bit of your time. So close to the fight. I wish no you problem. a safe. I wish you a safe journey to the states, and hopefully, next time we're speaking, you've got that gold and green belt around your waist. Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds very good. It sounds very good. Patrick Highland, WBC yeah. world champ. He's got a little ring to it. I think that does. It does, doesn't it? I like the sound of a tail. <laughs> excellent stuff listen Patrick thank you so much for joining us and we'll speak again soon great stuff thank you thanks a lot lad okay now it's time to conclude episode 28 of the Box Hard podcast I've been your host Joey Coastman Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra a big thank you to our two guests on this week's show of course both challenging for a world title at the weekend Stephen Smith and Patrick Highland I just want to say I apologise for the poor audio during some of the Stephen Smith interview he was literally in a barber's getting his hair cut just before he left Liverpool for the United States so best of luck to both guys challenging for a world title on the weekend and of course a massive thank you to our listeners for listening this far once again and continuing to show support to the box hard podcast we'll be back next week with another big show until then take care